are you doing? I'll tell you what you're doing. You're listening to the Elder Scrolls. Lorcas! Either you are, or I'll be skipping rope with your entrails. Ta-ta. This podcast is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the amazing universe of the Elder Scrolls. Adventurers, welcome back to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots. I'm with Lotus of Doom today to talk about... Morrowind. Indeed. Lotus, are you ready to dig into the great houses in the history of Morrowind? I am. It's very, very easy to understand. There's very little on it. Uh, no complexity. A, yeah, no, it'll be, it's very smooth. Uh, there's no tension between the houses. No, this is all a lie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, as, as most people know, my favorite game in the series is Morrowind. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was first playing through this and didn't know anything about any of the lore to Elder Scrolls, and it was just a weird, really open game that I played on an original Xbox. I remember trying to figure out what was going on with the political system in mm-hmm. Morrowind on Vardenfell because it's uh it's weird uh it's yeah it's not only it's 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 complex it's very alien <laughs> it's very alien the culture is very different from our own there's uh there's a lot of stuff happening there's a lot of history to draw from there's there's yeah. a lot of this stuff so we we haven't covered a lot of Morrowind we've talked about some of the some of the details of Morrowind. We talked about the Chimer and turning into the Dunmer. We've talked about some of the uh, some of the groups that come from more of a Dunmeri perspective in history, but we haven't actually yep. gone into the houses and the government. Right, and and it's pretty unique, even just like uh, like mentioning the alien and all, but it's pretty unique even to the other parts of the game like of the series like it's pretty unique in and of itself um just with some of the moral gray areas that they just consider normal like Mm. assassination just Mm -hmm. like it's a thing you can do if you're if you're slighted or whatever so yeah uh, it's got some very interesting parts and the houses are pretty unique to each other which is i guess what probably causes some of the tension right yeah there's a lot of diversity so we're going to get into this and this is a big topic we're probably going to have to split this up over a few episodes we'll see if it's going to take two or three episodes today we're just going to dig into the history of the political structure and what's going on we're not going to go too far back but we'll remind you of some of the stuff going on with the chimer and how things kind of came about in dunmary history and then we're going to introduce some of the houses and things but we'll dig deeper into each of the houses and some of the other stuff that's going on this is also going to be a very uh uesp heavy episode because the way they summarize things is going to make it very a lot easier for us to basically piggyback off of that in order to springboard off the back of a pig or guar into what we're talking about today. 
Great. That that analogy just flowed perfectly. <laughs> so, yes. So, so yes. Um, but anyway, uh, also, if you're if you're tuning in live, welcome. Thank, thank you for being here. We normally do the show on Tuesday or on Thursday nights, but uh, Thursday night didn't work out this week. So we're catching up on a Saturday. Yeah. So if it's you're a little if, disease, so if if you're wondering, sound a little off. It's yeah. because of that. If you're wondering, like, where was the episode? Well, so we had to push it back a few days, but we're yeah. still here. We're still here. So don't worry. But now I can talk for an hour. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully Lotus's voice is going to work the whole time. So here we go. Let's get into this. Um, well, first, I want to start off with a, a one of the books. We've been doing a lot more of quoting directly from the books. There is a book that was first seen in the Elder Scrolls Morrowind, but also shows up in Skyrim, but not any of the other games. And it's called A Short History of Morrowind uh, by Jeanette Sitt. Some experts from the book's introduction and its section on Vardenfell. So here, let's dig into this. It says, from the introduction, this is the introduction section of the book. We don't get the whole book anywhere. We only get these specific passages. And it says, led by the legendary prophet Veloth, the ancestors of the Dunmer, exiles from Altmer cultures in present day Somerset Isles, came to the region of Morrowind. Its earliest times, the Dunmer were harassed in, in earliest times. They were harassed or dominated by Nord Sea Raiders. When the scattered Dunmer tribes consolidated into the predecessors of the modern Great House clans, and this is where we're really going to focus in, it's on the clans, they threw out the Nord oppressors and successfully resisted further incursions. The ancient ancestors' worship of the tribes was in time superseded by the monolithic tribunal temple theocracy. And the Dunbar grew into a great nation called Resdane. Resdane was the, was the last of the provinces to submit to Tiber Septum. Like Black Marsh, it was never successfully invaded and was peacefully incorporated by treaty into the empire as the province of Morrowind. So let's pause there. We've got some we got some words to, that we have to kind of dissect a little bit. We have the ancestor worship. We have the also also the fact that the Chimer and then the Dunmer were worshiping some of the the good Daedra, which we've talked about before. Yep. So we, we don't need to go back and recount a lot of that. But just remember, remember this moving on. And some of those Daedra were um, what's the word that they use? They were like predecessors to the tribunal. They were. Anticipations. That's the word. Anticipations of the tribunal. The tribunal being Vivek, Sothasil, and Amalexia, who are these living gods who the Dunmer now worship, who actually, you know, live in with them among the people, right? Yeah, it's interesting that from the Dunmeri perspective here, a lot of times, I mean, you get a lot of supernatural stuff in this world because magic's a thing and they interact with daedra which are supernatural beings as opposed to adra which is a little well how often do you see them how much do you think they interact stuff like that this is even more than that where it's like yeah my god he lives over in vivek city vivek uh right he's just chilling in his tower and they're doing their own thing it's like no you can literally go see them like this just yeah. if you want to or amalexia is just chilling in mournhold and in, in her shrine so it's like they are completely tangible beings which usually in terms of reality in in religion you don't get to literally just walk up and be like oh hey god and just like right want to shake hands like (laughs) i suppose it's kind of similar to living during the times of say ancient egypt when the pharaoh was worshipped and not only not only as say king or emperor but 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 like they were a living god right so to to go have uh, you know, an opportunity to see the Pharaoh at like a special event was probably very 
powerful for a lot of people because of sure. what they believe this era pharaoh actually was um so yeah and, and that happens in other history historical cultures as well there was a time where the romans were trying to say they were god kings too and all of that sure but um I, I have a feeling the people at the time of the ancient pharaohs were a little bit more convinced or at least a, a larger popular part of the population was convinced of that yes also <laughs> the 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 fact that you know magic is such a thing within this um it's probably a lot easier to convince people that you are god uh if you have you actual can, magic <laughs> yeah and you can do like actual crazy magic powers i mean or is it harder from, because the guy down the street can do crazy magic things too i guess that's also valid right? but maybe it's you've both got such, yeah it, it's a little bit of both and i mean we can get into certain situations specifically but when you have something for example uh the giant rock that hovers above um vivek city bardow mm-hmm. it Vivek literally prevents it from squishing everybody. Right. Like, right. And, so and like, people were there okay. to witness the fact that he did, he stopped it. Yes, exactly. So they can so say it's not even like a metaphorical. Yeah. like, Oh, well, in, you know, lesson 17, he says he does this. OK, well, maybe he does. Maybe they don't. Whereas that it's just like, no, a bunch of people saw you just save the city. Right. I mean, we even have a storyline in ESO during the Mormon right. expansion where about it looks like it's going to crash again it's going to fall yep. down because vivek's powers are waning because of something going on and then it it actually moves a little bit and then there's the whole like oh god it's going to happen and then he's able to stop it again but right um but yeah that, like that seems way more convincing of like this dude who says he's a god actual legitimate god he's holding a Correct. boulder in the sky now why can't just move that boulder somewhere else that's a whole nother topic for another day uh, <laughs> maybe he wants to make people continue to pray to him uh, <laughs> it seems very advantageous to not just get rid of the boulder yeah they, they certainly seem to like to literally and figuratively hold it over people yeah literally holding it over their heads so here let's get into a little little bit more here we have um the, the the nation was called Resdane and was one of the last provinces to submit to Tiber Septum. This is the towards the end of the the first era, the first age of the world. Uh, I believe it's the end of the first age. Am I mixing this up? Yes. I think it's the second. Is it the end of the second? No, you're right. It is. It's the end of the second. Yes. Yeah, I believe it's the so, end of the second because that's when. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, should yeah. be the end of the second. I I'm, I'm thinking of something else. Yes. Yep. The end of the second is Tiber Septum. Tiber Septum hasn't come yet in ESO. Correct. Yeah, the ESO is like 400 years before the end of the age, which is when Tiber Septum comes and conquers Pops everything. Up. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. so that makes sense. Um, so it goes on. It says almost four centuries after the coming of the Imperial Legions, Morrowind is still occupied by Imperial Legions with a figurehead Imperial King. Though the empire has reserved most functions of the traditional local government to the ruling councils of the five great houses. So the five houses maintain a a significant amount of control and influence over the society from, I believe it's towards the end of the first era onward in through the second era or the third through the second and then into the third yeah, as through well. the second into the third yeah right, right. so it goes, it's a little weird when you're crossing from era to era yeah yeah it gets a little bit mixed up um so this continues and says on vardenfeld district in the third era 414 so 414 vardenfeld territory previously a temple preserved under imperial imperial protection was reorganized as an imperial provincial district vardenfeld had been maintained as a preserved administrated by yeah administrated by the temple since the treaty of the armistice and except for a few great house settlements sanctioned by the temple vardenfell was previously uninhabited and undeveloped 
But when the centuries-old temple ban on trade and settlement of Vardenfell was revoked by King of by King of Morrowind, this doesn't say the king. It says King of Morrowind. King of what is that's a typo? Maybe <laughs> a flood of imperial colonists in Great House Dunmer came to Vardenfell, expanding old settlements and building new ones. So four hundred years into the Third Era. They continue. They begin expanding in, in this area again in Vardenfell specifically. The new district was divided into Redoran, Hlalu, Talvani, and Temple districts, each separately administered by local house councils or temple priesthoods, and all under the advice and consent of Duke Dren and the district council in Ebenhart. Local law became a mixture of house law and imperial law. This is an interesting point. This uh, imperial influence from the point from Tiber Septim's time on was still a thing. But like I mentioned before, there's still a lot of influence from the houses. It's a mix of right. house law and imperial law. They're kind of like putting a like a, a foot in both worlds, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, because they they aren't completely conquered like most of the other places like it, this was much more of an agreement than a, OK, so we're going to pretend like you have some input and we're just going to tell you what to do. This was much more of an actual split where where right. the people of Morrowind still actually did have a say because they couldn't just march in and take over like every place else sans Black Marsh, which was just unconquerable. <laughs> right, right. This is very similar to what um, the Roman Empire did with a lot of places that were were willing to just negotiate and give them control in some places yeah. that they conquered. They let the the cultures maintain what they were doing as long as they paid their taxes to the emperor and they right. if they needed to conscript conscript you know forces for something they would throw in they, they did what the empire asked them to do and by following through with that they were able to maintain a large portion of their culture. The the Roman Empire wasn't about going and squashing other cultures so much as they were just getting people in line and making sure they followed what they Correct. wanted to do. And it's it's much more of an assimilation thing where it's mm -hmm. like, okay, yeah, you join us, you do you. And then at the same time, it's like, <clears throat> like you said, as long as they're paying their tribute, so to speak, they can keep their stuff. There's probably going to be you know, Imperials in this, not using the real life Roman analogy, but like the Imperials would probably be in the province to an extent and stuff like that. And you'd get a weird mash of both cultures and you get this new sort of hybrid culture where it's like, well, it's sort of imperialized. It's sort of, we actually start a decent amount um, in the Black Marsh or Black Marsh, the uh, Blackwood expansion last mm -hmm. year in Elder Scrolls Online. You were technically near the swamp region of Leowin and stuff like that, but it was a mix of heavily, heavily Argonian, but also they were very imperialized Argonians. So it's, it, you know, it wasn't as much the tribal thing as you would get as you go deeper into the swamps. Very similar situation here. Right, right. Yeah, there's that influence of the Imperials over uh, several hundred years at this point. Right. Um, it, this document goes on at one point. It says the temple was still recognized as a majority religion, but worship of the nine divines was protected by the legions and encouraged by Imperial cult missions. So, again, you've got that kind of both going on temple worship and then the imperials nine divines which right. you experience a lot of that if you've played things like oblivion or skyrim where they're talking about oh by the divines blah, 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 right. like they're all going on about the divines all the time well the the native dunmer didn't worship the divines they worshiped either the old <laughs> the old uh 
predecessors to the tribunal temple or the the temple itself the temple itself or you know there's also a lot of veneration and ancestor worship which is kind Mm -hmm. of tied intrinsically into sort of the daedra worship thing just because it was their their i don't know ancestors as they lived through were the ones who brought them to where they are now so it's like well we also need to venerate them and we can get into it a little later on but it's like that much like you get tangible versions ancestors objectively can protect the family as in like the ghost fence which is a thing that is built and like they use literal ancestor protection to keep them safe at points and it's like yep no the the ghosts keep us safe (laughs) yeah yeah so here the next section actually talks about ghost gate um the temple district including the city of vivek which many of you have visited in eso even if you haven't played um the original morrowind yeah, the fortress construction in ESO. Right. The fortress of Ghostgate and all sacred and profane sites, including those blighted areas inside the ghost fence and all unsettled and wilderness areas on Vardenfell. In practice, this district included all parts of Vardenfell not claimed for Redoran, Hlalu, or Telvani districts. The temple stubbornly fought all development in their district and were largely successful. So there's this split there. House Hlalu, now now we're getting into some of the houses, in combination with Imperial colonists, embarked on a vigorous campaign of settlement and development. In the decades after reorganization, Balmora and the Ascadian Isles regions have grown steadily. Caldera and Pelagiad? This one, I I don't know. That sounds fine to me. I feel it was all text in Morrowind. Like we we never hear anybody's talk. Yeah, I've never heard. I don't believe I've ever heard that said. So yeah, Pelagiad are completely Uh, new settlements. Pelagiad is how I would say that. I guess. Yeah, so they're completely new settlements as of the when this was written in the four hundredth year of the third era, and all legion forts were expanded to accommodate larger garrisons. House Telvani, so that's Hualu, Hualu having to do with that section. House Telvani, normally conservative and isolationists, so each of the houses has their certain kind of qualities, has been surprisingly aggressive in expanding beyond their traditional tower villages. Disregarding the protests of other houses, the temple, the duke, and the district council, Telvani pioneers have been encroaching on the wildlands reserved to the temple. The Telvani council officially disavows responsibility for these rogue Telvani settlements, but it is an open secret that they are encouraged and supported by ambitious Telvani mage lords. So you can you can think of each of the houses as kind of like their own little mini governments. Yeah. Basically, it, it's yeah, it's it's think of it as like a state that has like a pretty substantial amount of power to judge themselves. And Telvani, I always find funny just because um, they have this like mouthpiece version of like, oh, well, all right, we, you know, they're a little rogue or whatever. But Telvani totally doesn't give an F like they're just, <laughs> we're going to do what we want. Like, right. And right. and there's several incidences of this. What the most notorious, you know, in the time of ESO in the second era, when they're currently working on outlawing um, slavery in the Ebonheart Pact. Mm-hmm. And Telvani's like, we're just not going to join the pack. We like slaves. It's just like, OK, that's just, you're right. just right. totally going to not. It's like, eh, whatever. The rest of the people can do what they want. We're going to continue to do this. It's like. If, if you want to help that bad, you'll just accept what we're going to do, because uh, one of the things they have a lot of leverage in, which we can get into later when we discuss specifically the Telvani, their mage prowess is like unparalleled. So they yeah. kind of have 
this air of like, well, we're better than you anyway. So, I mean, you can either just deal with us doing our own thing or you can, you know, try to try to work without us. Like you can hear a little bit of that in the line here where it says ambitious Telvani mage lords. Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's a level of condescending that always hovers around the Telvani. Yeah. Yeah. So this document goes on. This document is fairly long for one of these one of these books, but it 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 consolidates a lot of the info under pressure from the temple conservative house Redoran has steadfastly resisted expansion in their district as a result house Redoran and the temple are in danger of being politically and economically mar- economically marginalized by the more aggressive and expansionist hualu hualu and telvani interests so Redoran not as not as aggressive as the other two there's potential that they're going to be kind of eaten up by the others. It, it is interesting because Lalu kind of covers the, yeah, you know, let's let's actually merge and see see where we go with this. Whereas Redoran is like, no, we already have this set up. We don't want to deal with this. They're very, very opposed to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's interesting because those two, I find, are at odds with each other overtly more than some of the other houses. Yeah, because they just have very, very diametrically opposed ideals, or it's just like, mm-hmm. yes, we're accepting and progressive. No, leave us alone. We've got our own thing. We don't need imperial rule here. Yeah, and there is open uh, dissent and open aggression, and then there is hidden aggression, and yeah. hit, like there's there's a lot of uh, political intrigue going on between these houses, as, as we'll dig into a little bit more later. Um, the next document, the next the same document, the next paragraph says the Imperial administration faces many challenges in the Vardenfeld district, but the most serious are the great house rivalries. This is what we're talking about. Animosity from the Ashlander nomads. So Ashlanders aren't part of a specific house. No, they're, they're, just- they're basically just divorced from all of that. They they consider the tribunal heretical and they're mm-hmm. they're total liars. So, yeah, these are these are all ancestor worship leave us alone like you guys are full of it and this is just a giant ruse so right and like and like it, you can kind of assume from the title ashlander they're the ones who live on the sides of the mountain yeah in the ashlands where nobody else wants that space and they they basically are are the more uh indigenous of uh, you could if you were to call them a tribe they'd be like the most indigenous of the tribes yep. oh the yeah ones who absolutely. just live off the land yeah, it goes on. It says internal conflicts with the temple itself and the Red Mountain blight struggles between Great House Temple and Imperial interests to control Vardenfell's resources could at any time erupt into full scale war. Ashlanders raid settlements, plunder caravans and kill foreigners on their wild lands. The temple has unsuccessfully attempted to silence criticism and calls for reform within its ranks. So there's one more paragraph we'll get into. But what this is painting is a picture. This this is the kind of document you would have read while playing the Elder Scrolls Morrowind. And you have to put yourself in the mindset of when you would have read this. You would have you may have played something like Daggerfall, maybe one or two of the other Elder Scrolls games. But most people who came to Morrowind didn't have any concept of those other games at all. They had mm-hmm. no concept at all. They're coming in blind. And on, on top of that, not only were they blind to who the heck the Daedric princes were or who are these Imperials and why are they worshiping these divines? But all of this would have been foreign. So this is a lot to 
to to take in and that's why books like this made sense in the game because if you took the time to sit and read them you had more of a sense of like okay who am i talking to what side are they on and what's going on here but basically what it's saying is that this is a time of turmoil and there's a lot of just struggle for power across all of these groups the imperials the houses the um ashlanders the temple worshipers like each group kind of has their own agenda right so that's that's what we got going here last paragraph says but most serious are the plagues and diseases or in diseased hosts produced by the blight storms sweeping out from red mountain vardenfell and all morrowind have long been menaced by the legendary evils of dagoth ur and his ash vampire kin swelling beneath red mountain this gets into the storyline of the game morrowind for centuries the temple has contained this threat within the ghost fence but recently the temple's resources and will have faltered and the threat from red mountain has grown in scale and intensity if the ghost fence should fail the hosts of blight monsters were to split spill out across vardenfell's towns and villages the empire might have no choice but to evacuate vardenfell district and abandon it to disease and corruption so this is like hey you don't know anything about this world that you just entered here's what's going on with the political landscape and oh by the way dagother and ash vampires are, are gonna eat everybody <laughs> yeah yeah i was gonna say there's this looming threat of just being consumed by this cloud of toxic fumes like oh great yeah yeah so that's kind of a i like this document because it gives us kind of a rough overview of where we are at the time of the fourth century in the third mm-hmm. era um, and it gets us up to speed with that so if you did listen back to the chimer episode you can you can go back in time merithic era you've got the altmer you've got the uh, settling of places in tamriel you have the altmer and then groups of the altmer decide that they're going to um you have the altmer become the altmer am i mixing that up uh read read uh, say that once the more. altmer right the altmer come to Tamriel, become the Altmer. Correct. Right, okay. I'm, yes, I'm mixing correct. up the D and the T here. Oh, well, and then, that's why I was trying to make sure you said yes. the D first, then the T. Right, right. So D first, then it T. Even sounds this similar. sounds so similar. This stuff is so the, easy the to mix up is, in your just, head. You can remember via alphabetically. Yes, there you go. It, it, there you go. But it, it sounds like, again, if, if you say it fast or whatever, it's like, wait, did you say alt or alt? <laughs> right, right. So groups of Altmer slash Altmer settle across Tamriel. Some of them you get become aliens. Some of them become snow elves. Some of them turn into the Chimer and the Chimer decide to leave. The Chimer go through the stuff that they do. They become the Dunmer. They settle here and then they form these houses and then all the stuff that we just talked about. And so now you've gone from like the Merithic era all the way up to the middle of the third era. And that's that's where the game Morrowind starts. And that's where during that ESO to Morrowind game itself era is when the the houses are the most interesting i would say after that we get a little bit of glimpses in skywind as in skywind as in skyrim <laughs> of what might have happened in in the time since then but not a whole lot it's not particularly clear and we also don't go there so is that a is that a good summary or did i just confuse everybody more <laughs> hopefully that was the problem is that's like kind of as concise as i think you can be um it's just unfortunately with how much there is this tends up tends to be a little word dumpy just because there's so much of it Mm -hmm. um 
And we're not even diving in yet to any of the individual houses. This is just how the structure works and which houses tend to be involved. And the fact that it's there's even fluctuation in which houses are considered great houses and become lesser houses and lesser houses become great houses and all sorts of stuff. Like, it's just that that dynamic itself can change like it's not just a guaranteed it's like well you're a great house so you're always a great house well no you can have a fall and there's you know we'll, we'll get into there are many great houses that are no longer great houses like that's true that's true there's a number of different houses and um so we'll see I'll tell you what we're gonna take a quick break we'll thank our patrons we're gonna dig a little bit further into the events um from the armistice with Tiber Septum on and then through into the, the third era. And then we'll just give you a quick little glimpse of just the, the names of all the different houses so those can kind of get in your minds. And then we'll have to follow up on the next episode. Well, actually two weeks because we have the patron episode coming up um, with the different houses and get a little bit more into the details of each of those because there's a lot to unpack here. So tell you what, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is Hamish Morak. Dragonborn, and you are educating yourself to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. All right, here we are in the middle of the show, and a big shout out to all of our patrons and, uh, Elenok in chat says, can you all link the Patreon? Yeah, it's patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. And that should get you right to it. And um, big shout outs to all of our new patrons this week. And why is my face so itchy? I keep on having to scratch my nose. It's like I'm doing too much cocaine. I don't do co- co- cocaine, <laughs> but that's what it's like. Um, don't do drugs, kids. Uh, all right. So we've got uh, we got some new patrons. We have Jay and Logan C and Kyle C and Chardonnay D. I don't know if that's a real name because it's a really fancy name to be named after a type of wine. I'm just going to assume they're very fancy. It's a very fancy person. So yep. thank you. Thank you to all of you for signing up. And um, also big shout out to all 118 of our different patrons currently. And that includes our Daedric Princess who get shout outs every week. Kira C and Noodle Al Dente. Thank you for being here and supporting the show. We also have a brand new uh, review here from Apple Podcasts. This is from Stringbean01, who I don't think we read out last week. Sometimes these come in. And the that is not a name I would remember delayed. because I like that name. Yeah. So, so Stringbean01 writes, Noise. <laughs> That's I have to say it. I have to say it like the Beastie Boys. Noise. Okay. All right. I was wondering if they were Australian. No, no, no. That's the way the Beastie Boys say it. Like, All right. I don't know. I, I don't remember which song that's from, but they say, Noise. Like that. All right, I'm going to just believe you. I don't know. I should cover some Beastie Boy songs. Anyway, so we've got Paul Revere. That's my favorite <laughs> song from them. <laughs> um, so we got, all right, String Bean writes, I listen at work and it definitely helps get through the day. Has definitely gotten me back into the grind of playing a franchise that was that has shaped my life. Tom and Lotus have an amazing way of describing the world of Elder Scrolls. Would give 10 stars if I was allowed. Thumbs Aww. up. Thanks so much, String Bean. That's, That's awesome. so nice. <laughs> yeah. If you'd like to leave us a review, a five-star review in the future, we will read it out on a future episode of the show. And if even if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, if you have an Apple account, you can just log in, just search for the page. It'll come up in Google. And then you can just drop a review in there. That would be amazing. And uh, Elenok, thank you for joining us. You're going to get another shout out next week as we can kind of pull that up again. But Elenok in chat says they just, <laughs> just signed up here. as well. So yeah, <laughs> so happy to be here. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And um, a bit. Uh, here's the, the big thing is this next week we have 
a holiday in the United States, Thanksgiving. And that shows up every year on a Thursday. And sure does. Thursdays are when we do the recording. And we there isn't normally... a single thought about this show when Thanksgiving was decided on as a holiday long before we existed. I don't know. I don't know what they were doing. Unbelievable. Back then. So rude. But normally we would record this on the last Thursday of the month, with hap- which happens to be on Thanksgiving next week, the 24th. So. Uh, I know it's kind of a busy week for everybody and then pushing it into the next week is too long and I don't want to just skip a week. So if our patrons are able, I don't know, Lotus, what your schedule looks like, but we could do it on a Friday or a Saturday night instead. Yeah, I was going to so, say, maybe maybe if this weird time works for people and it doesn't involve time, me being sick, I mean, maybe we could make this work yeah, or something. So let's, like let's, we'll figure shoot, it out. let's shoot for Saturday a week from when we're recording this today. So Saturday, the, what is that? The, the 26th at, that sounds right. we'll shoot for what? Like 8 PM. That's yeah, good. Seems, just seems like it seems probably fair. 8 PM Eastern, 5 PM Pacific chat. Um, if you're, if you're in our, our group, or if you, uh, if you are a patron or if you're going to sign up for a yeah. patron, ch- chime in on the discord, let us know what you think about that time. Yeah. Uh, let us know what you think and we'll see if we can get something working. Yeah. And what you want to talk about. We're happy to talk also about that. Whatever you guys <laughs> want to talk about. We'll, we'll figure something out. We always do. So let us know what you think. And thank you again to all of our patrons and everyone who helps support the show and leaves us ratings and reviews on whatever platform you listen on. We appreciate it. All right, let's move on with the rest of the show. You're listening to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, dear child of cities. That is why the Night Mother loves you. All right. So now that we've got kind of an introduction to the way that book, A Short History of Morrowind, explains the events, the different houses, those kinds of things. I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into what is specifically listed in the Great Houses section of the UESP wiki, uh, starting with the Armistice, the Second Era 896. This is Tiber Septum time. This is after ESO and the events that move on from there. So here we'll read through some more stuff and then we'll we'll summarize and expand on it as we go. So in the Second Era 896, the Armistice was signed between Tiber Septum and Vivek, which saw Morrowind reorganized as a province of the empire, right? We talked about that before. Hlalu, here we get into the different houses. Hlalu eagerly accepted this unexpected turn of events, while Redoran, grateful for a graceful excuse to avoid facing the legions unsupported, were the second to accept the treaty. So they didn't want to have to go to war and not be supported. Yeah, there's just more begrudging, like, okay, this is not going to go well if we have to fight you, so sure. Yeah. Whereas Hlalu was much more like, yeah, this sounds great, let's do it. And uh, the house Telvani joining them shortly after. So they were the third to to join in, which makes sense. They're the least. Yeah. And they're willing. just like, yeah, all right, we'll see how this plays out. Like, yeah. So House Indoril and Dress, who we haven't talked about before, and there are multiple houses. In fact, why don't we go through the list of all of them right now? Just to just to name them off. And get just them in, really in your mention head. the right. house. Yeah, that might be important to sort of not using names that have no contact. We can go into finer details later, but just so you know what the houses are. Yeah. So there's Redoran, Telvani, Indoril, Dress, Sadris, Hlalu, Dagoth. Sounds familiar. Dagoth, or we mentioned him mm-hmm. before. Um, and then there are some historic houses. House Dwemer, mm-hmm. Mora, Rothim, Salothan, and Sotha. Another name that should sound familiar. Sotha. Yes. So there you go. So th- those are those are names that are going to pop up as houses at some point. Um, 
or, or not necessarily in this section, but you will hear about the, more of them definitely on the next episode. So it goes on and says, House Indrail and Dress swore they would resist to the death, and the Lord High Counselor of the Grand Council, himself in Indrail, refused to accept the treaty and refused to step down. He was assassinated <laughs> and replaced how that happens. by a Halalu. Lotus, how would he be assassinated? You know, it's almost like you could just sanction this type of thing in the <laughs> it was like legally sanctioned what yeah it's it's almost like that's part of their culture that you can just you know this person's causing a lot of problems let's uh get ourselves a quick writ of execution almost like something that a lot of people enjoy in games uh with the dark brotherhood mm -hmm. but there's a legal version essentially of the dark brother less culty uh <laughs> less culty a little, little more cut and dry although the dark brotherhood cultiness aside does it for money along with everybody else <laughs> sure sure this is where you get to hear uh the other group the morag tong which is just basically yeah they're just hired assassins as part of a government approved thing legally sanctioned assassins Yes, yes, which I will say, uh, as I like to kind of make references whenever I can specifically to the game, one of my favorite things about the series at first was being able to join the Morag Tong in the Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. And I was like, oh, my God, this, you can just kill people like what is happening? Right. The thing about it, which is something that I always loved back in the day, was um, it, I assuming it was a, a shortcoming of the way it was programmed they give you a writ of execution like in in the dark brotherhood they tell you this is your target try to keep it quiet you don't want to get caught blah 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 well since it's legal in morrowind to get these contracts they literally <laughs> hand you a note that says you kill this person and if you get caught by the guards show them this and everything's fine you're good you can do it open in the daylight you and as sure long as you can. have that writ you're fine mm -hmm. But the weird thing about it in Morrowind is it wasn't programmed to a certain person. It was blank. So you could kill whoever you wanted and just give them a writ of execution. Be like, it was him. I needed to kill that guy for reasons. <laughs> and the guards would just be like, oh man, he's got a he's got a he's got a doctor's note. He says that guy needs to die, so I guess he had to die. Uh, you think you'd put a name on it. Yeah, I I wonder <laughs> if it was so. just like tech limitations, but I, I'm sure it was, That's but hilarious. it did make very I kept any ones that I didn't do contracts for or whatever, or if I wasn't caught, that was the most common thing. Uh -huh. If you got away with it and you didn't need it keep that in your pocket so that when you got caught it was like uh here you go like i'm totally free and also as it was mentioned by green and chat it could have been a glitch too like might have been it, i mean no bugs in bethesda games so i'm sure that's unlikely <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it very well could have been a bug it could have been a tech limitation but it was really entertaining because it got me out of a lot of jams in more ways that's awesome. That's awesome. So, yeah, so this guy, he's, he's an Indoril, and he gets assassinated and replaced by Halalu. And a number of other Indoril choose to commit suicide. So they'd rather not get hunted down. They just yeah, end it right there. We'll just streamline it and end it in at least a less horrific manner, I assume. Right. House Halalu, who had advocated accommodation to the Imperials since the legions started massing on the western border, took this opportunity to take over a number of Indoril councils. So still, still with the with the threat of legion activity on the outside, they're like, yeah, we're still infighting and we're going to take advantage of this, of course, right? 
So they take over a number of Indoril's councils, while House Dress finally agreed with strong provisions protecting the practice of slavery, because slavery was very important to their uh, their economic structure. Yeah, and they really have the whole myrrh version, which a lot of different myrrh have, of kind of thinking less of anybody who isn't just myrrh. Although at the same time, they're just taking anybody like in these. It's uh, there tends to be a lot of slavery of of the bestial races. Argo- lots of Argonians, Argonians yeah. and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but in the games, you can see anybody's free game. Like they'll they'll enslave anybody. It's right. just uh, they seem to specifically hunt a lot of the bestial races in our um the state of the world today, especially for a lot of Americans, a lot of Americans associate slavery with uh, with racism. The two are yeah. very connected here in the United States due to the way slavery was run here. What most what a lot of people I don't want to say most, but what a lot of people don't realize is that slavery historically had very little to do with race and had a lot to do with who you could gain sway and power over. And it didn't matter where they came from specifically or what culture they were from or any of that. So this is much more similar to that. Yeah. So their enthusiastic support of the emperor or the empire cemented the Hlalu as the leading great house throughout the third era. Little is known of the ground uh, grand council through the third era, but the role of the figurehead monarch of Morrowind personally selected by the emperor was first filled by queen Baron Zaya. A name you might recognize. recognize. In fact, I did a whole episode. One of the weeks that you couldn't join me, I did a whole episode about the the Baron Zaya and and the gems that you find and the stones or whatever those are called. Um, All of that stuff. So that ties into this as well. A member of the clan Rothim and thus House Hlalu. She was succeeded by her uncle, Athen Lethen, and later her son, King Helseth of House Hlalu, who ruled Morrowind at the end of the Third Era. His reformation or reformation of the Grand Council was seen by some as a return to more traditional Dunmer ways, although he also managed to persuade both his own house and house dress to back the abolition of slavery and carry that policy through the council. So that's good, right? Getting rid of slaves. Yeah, I was going to say that that seems like that would be a big step in the right direction, despite the protest of some of the houses. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, not of course, not everybody agreed with this, but sure, they pushed it through the council, right? And the council was still in power here. Now, during the Oblivion Crisis of the Third Era 433, this is the events of the next game, Elder Scrolls Oblivion, the Empire pulled the legions out of Morrowind and the province was left virtually defenseless. While House Redoran succeeded in creating an army and House Telvanni were able to close some of the Oblivion Gates. You have to remember, the Oblivion Gates opened everywhere. Yeah, it was across all Tamriel. So they were dealing with the Oblivion Crisis as well. Mm -hmm. And the the Empire was basically like, oh, screw you guys. We're going to go take care of Cyrodiil. (laughs) We're leaving you alone. Uh, The Redoran Citadel of Aldrun was destroyed by the Daedric invasion and House Hlalu was left powerless without the backing of the Empire. Following the eruption of Red Mountain, the Fourth Era Five, which obliterated the settlements on Vardenfell, Morrowind came under siege from the Argonians of Blackmarsh. So this is the events between uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion and Skyrim. House Hlalu, due to their close ties with the Imperial administration, became the scapegoat for all the Dunmer people suffering. As a result, Hlalu was stripped of its great house status and dis- dismissed from the Great Council. House Telvanni, having lost most of their settlements on Vardenfell to the eruption of Red Mountain, was almost extirp- extirpated? 
This word says extirpated. That I, I don't think that's real. I don't know. That, that's probably a typo. In the Argonian invasion as well, with at least one report of its I think destruction. It's exterminated. Exterminated, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that wouldn't, yeah. We're going to say exterminated. And I can do a correction on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to edit that in. Uh, with at least one report edit. of its destruction from the, the last mainland settlement also fell to the Argonians. So the Argonians now push back in. Again, there's like this void of power again. This power situation changes. And now finally the Argonians are getting their just desserts. A few survivors escaped in a ship called the Pride of Telvas, which was later found wrecked in Skyrim. So these are things that you can discover while playing through Skyrim. The last child of the Telvani family line itself was brought up in Black Marsh under the Argonian name of Branshi. You might find that name Branshi in like familiar although some of the house survived to refound a colony in solstheim under the aging master naloth telvani in fact appears to have rebuilt well enough to hold its seat on the dunmer council while the previously unknown house sadris who was in that list we we listed was selected yes. to fill the space left by hlalu Hlal, house Inderil, min, meanwhile had been in decline since the end of the second era the downfall of the tribunal temple in the closing days of the third era along with the machinations of king helseth and his dress allies these are all events that happened at the end of um morrowind morrowind yeah uh saw the great house suffer greatly culminating in the sack of their capital of marnhold by the invading argonians again argonians getting their just desserts while yeah. House Inderil still technically exists and holds a seat on the council, the priesthood of New Temple are now considered one and the same with House Inderil. And those who became priests are now considered to have joined Inderil. So the temple and Inderil have now merged, according to right. this. Right. Well, and I mean, I guess that kind of happens because they're using it to bolster Inderil without necessarily dropping them out of great houses because they're still there but with them being weakened so much like influentially makes sense that they bolster them and if you can combine two things at once it's like okay well they're kind of merge into taking over this priest this priesthood i guess uh, type of thing and it's just like yeah this is kind of them now <laughs> right right it goes on and says the political power of inderil of the inderil has thus passed entirely to the hands of the new temple the new temple being the new temple because the tribunal are all killed or missing in action at or, their minimum and i mean spoilers um <laughs> two of the three are guaranteed to not be there and vivek is missing in action uh um, yeah we'll have to get into that okay. is he dead is he dis disappeared like what happened to him it, it's very interesting just because i really like the fact that it almost works into the series a potential choice you can make in morrowind uh, because in morrowind there's a lot of you could just run amok in morrowind honestly uh which i did at the end of my playthrough i just <laughs> was like you know what i broke the system i'm the new god like, turn into freaking superman fly around yeah. shoot everybody so, with like, laser beams yeah um in the games nowadays they they you tend to if you hit and or quote unquote kill like story characters they'll they'll be knocked out they'll be wounded they'll take a knee blah 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 
in Morrowind, you get this message, you can kill anybody, and you get this mm. message that you've broken the prophecy, and you've plunged the world into uh, a, a hellscape, pretty much. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, that ain't good. But it's like, it, it gave you that freedom, which is a freedom that a lot of people, myself included, I would love for them to bring back. Let me screw up my own game if that's what I want to do. I don't care. Right. And after I completed my game, you know, you're allowed to go back and talk to Vivek, which has some old, its whole connotations, because, you know, did he, did that story happened where he betrayed, you know, Indril Nerevar, and you're theoretically the, you know, the the return of Nerevar. Yeah, and in my the game, right? Yeah, you are the never the Nerevarine. And I was like, you know what? You're a douche. So I beat him to death. <laughs> um, and so and, in your canon, he is dead. In my canon, he is dead because I wanted to see if I was strong enough to fist fight Vivek to death, which, spoiler, I was. Uh, <laughs> so take that, Vivek. But in my game, theoretically, he's dead. But in other games, if you didn't do that, he could just be missing an action. I like how the history has gone ambiguous going forward. Yeah, we, get, we don't get Theoretically, anything. could have done that. We don't get right. anything. There's nothing in Oblivion. There's nothing in Skyrim. ESO is before these events, so Vivek is Correct. clearly alive. You meet him. Um but we don't get anything and yeah so we're gonna have to get into this in a future episode but like what happened where did he go is he right. alive still did he right did he Vivek ascend into some sort of other dimension that equals like uh, moving on and dying in some way you know like well yeah. what's going on and, does he mantle actually, another god uh, like what what happens here Yes. Also, thank you, UESP, for, for the raid during <laughs> thanks, uh, stream. Thanks for the raid. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, friends. Um, and Rob actually mentioned that uh, he, he thought Vivek straight up died during, yeah. when Bardo fell. And I mean, let's be honest. We haven't really talked about this. Like, Lotus and I haven't really talked about this. So I kind of had the same sense of like, well, he's missing, but like he's he's dead, right? Like, right? Otherwise, yeah, he'd be doing it, stuff. We'd have heard it, about it. It seems like he would be dead. Right. But... But maybe not. The game never really confirms that. I mean, the other two tribunal gods are dead. Uh, this is... If you haven't already pieced this together, this is very spoilery. These games are... <laughs> it's a lore Extremely old. This is I mean, you, this, this is yeah. This, <laughs> um, but it, it, Sothasil, unfortunately, is hyper-dead in the Morrowind <laughs> expansion tribunal. Um, and he's and, the coolest one of the three. Uh, he, yes, I was going to say, he, he's certainly very unique um, and less, a little less, I don't know, he, he definitely got some interesting bits to Sothasil, but Sothasil seemed like he mostly meant well. Um, Amalexia, Amalexia kind of gets the crazies um, and she... Yeah, she basically needs to be taken out by you in said yeah. expansion. Yeah. And Vivek is actually really not confirmed. And actually, Weather Dragon uh, fr from the USP chilling with us right now. Mm -hmm. Vivek is definitely hiding in a cave somewhere as a hermit. <laughs> Absolutely, Maybe. potentially. Like, Maybe. I, I wonder if... He's just the Tom Bombadil of the story now. Well, <laughs> he's just like hanging out, doing his thing, singing his little song, skipping around, not caring about what else is going on in the world. So so that's the thing is because it's ambiguous, uh, like I said, maybe your pro maybe your file isn't the way mine is, where I was like, I bet I can beat him because I think I've got all the stats at this point and I broke. So I wanted to, like, just find stuff to muck up, whereas um, since it is ambiguous, 
was the stress of them losing their position too much for Vivek? Because the other thing is Vivek without love and admiration does not seem like that would sit so well with Vivek, Vivek which is, is why it seems like we would have heard of him since then. Right. Unless Vivek is like just this broken person yeah, and yeah. doesn't want anything else to do, because also what with the events of Red Mountain and dealing with the heart of Lorca, Vivek's not going to be able to continue doing like they were already having issues with being able to do the pilgrimage to reacquire power. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not a thing for them anymore. Right. So, right they'll slowly drift into being just again just mortal and theory. then eventually dying R- right so yeah. their immortality and that whole thing that they've been portraying to everybody it might not be as much a thing as they want everybody to think that it was yeah yeah so uh, we'll have to dig into this some more maybe we should set aside an episode to really get we haven't gone into each of them individually so it would still be yeah a, a good that, thing to yeah do. That, also that we there's should. a lot of more wind stuff that we just haven't covered yet yep. so all right to wrap this up the, and we're quoting from the uesp so welcome uesp and friends um the, the last section here says the political power of the indoril has thus passed entirely into the hands of the new temple house dresses modern status is ambiguous though as the most southerly of the great houses and the one most involved in the slave trade it is likely the argonian invasion was devastating i think that's probably true <laughs> if the argonians <laughs> were going to take it up with anybody it was going to be dress however the dress have retained their position on the grand council and are thus known to have survived with a significant portion of their power intact house redoran became the eminent power in morrowind as a result of their distinguished military and domestic leadership during the Oblivion Crisis, Red Year, and in Argonian Invasion. So they're the ones who stepped up, basically, the Redorans, taking the position as leaders of the Grand Council. They moved the capital to the Redoran city of Blacklight in the wake of their rise to power and the sacking of Mornhold, where the Grand Council meets within the Rootspire. So lots of political upheaval, lots of stuff going on, and at the point that we know things are at by the end of skyrim basically this is this is the political structure and like we discussed we don't know what happened to vivek the rest of the the temple cults has kind of disbanded or now integrated with house Inderil, and this is where things are left so that doesn't mean that we're not going to hear more from the Dunmer. I think in the next Elder Scrolls, the next mainline Elder Scrolls game, it would be really cool for some some of this to be shined a light on. Yeah, or even give some direction for because a lot of this has been very ambiguous for a really long time. So it would be interesting if they just gave you a little bit. Of the, the series loves to keep things in that gray maybe area, but. A lot oftentimes they'll give you a nudge toward like, oh, well, I don't know. What about this? This has mm-hmm. been basically untalked about since the events. Yeah. We don't the Nerevarian it just pieces out after three. Like there's yeah. just nothing after the events of three with some pretty important characters. And the entire island of Ardenfell is basically nuked off the face of Nern anyways. So it's like there's a lot of questions and a lot of time has passed since Morrowind with very little actually talked too much about. Right, right. If 
if we usually get anything in, in the games, it's like one or two little quests that pop up and kind of remind us of like, oh yeah, this thing existed from a previous game, you know, where yep. it talked about like House Lalu or um, the Baron Zaya quest line, that, that stuff that shows up in Skyrim, you know, like, oh, this stuff's still a thing. Then we go to Solstheim, which is Morrowind adjacent, right? It, we get, yeah, we get a little bit there Morrowind as well. Morrowind adjacent is a great way of putting it. Right. But we don't get a whole lot else. It'd be really interesting to get like, yeah, Elder Scrolls Six. We get the main quest line, the main stuff going on. So it's going to be more Redguard and uh, Breton, maybe influences from that stuff, right? And maybe some more Orc stuff. Those are probably going to be the three main factions we deal with in whatever the next game is, most likely, as far as I can tell. But then to have a few quest lines that are like Vivek sent me. I was like, what? Wait, wait, <laughs> what? You're a you're a pilgrim like, from wait, well, yeah. from Morrowind, well, I, and you're I came acting on of the Nerevarian. It's like well, the character I was. What? Like, yeah, really? Okay. Really? Yeah, yeah. We still um, worship him over in Morrowind. Really? You worship him now? Like, what's going on with that? Yeah, like that would be really cool. Yes, and actually, uh, just just because I'd be remiss because it it is something that's not as referenced um, in the series, but. One of the things I don't have the excerpt from it, but um, it starts the book off the second one of the Elder Scrolls novels. They're actually briefly at the basically leveled island of Vardenfell. Yeah. And the description of it is super unnerving. It sounds like a horrible 28 days later zombie movie just from like all the destruction. And there's these creatures that are like forming out of all of this wreckage and yeah. destroyed magicka and all this stuff floating around. Um, what if we plus, end up with like these like these tribes, these houses are now like full of these like super Chad Dunmer. <laughs> who are like super badasses who who like fight back the you fight back the horrors of Vardenfell. I mean, it's we we discussed literally last episode about the wild hunt creating new horrible monsters in the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I would imagine an event like the asteroid of Bardow literally blowing up an island, mm -hmm. probably having some negative effects on the environment. Yeah, yeah, and the, and making the people who still live there, like the ones who survive it, tougher because they're the ones who were able to survive it, right? You only yeah. get you only get the hardened ones, the Chadmer. Yeah, we yeah, have yeah, say, Rob the Princess Rob from the Keimer princess. to Dunmer to Chadmer. Yes, you have you have some Dunmer show up, but their eyes are even more red and their skin yeah. is even more they're dark. Extra red, right? They look like they've been like cooking on the sun, and they they show up in Hammerfell or somewhere, and and you have you have some Nord be like, yeah, welcome to Hammerfell, Dunmer friend, and he's like, I'm not a Dunmer. We're no longer Dunmer. Dunmer, we're Chadmer. Bro. They still have the gravelly voice, though. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Bro. <laughs> Bro. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Say? I'm a and Nord. Just, and then he, just, like, bench presses the Nord. <laughs> just because we're, you know, doing a quick thing, aside, like this quick aside on Dunmer and stuff. I like mean, this that. is the end of the show. We've, we've covered what a, we needed a, to cover. A, we're going to get more into the houses next time. So which, feel free. Go, go for it. it well, well, uh, I'm very, as, as anybody knows, um, the, these are stories and I think they're very well written and, you know, every now and then they need to kind of dig themselves <laughs> out of a weird situation and stuff like that. Um, one thing that is, uh, you know, I'm not a stickler on what's 
specifically canon and oh this doesn't make sense and stuff like that uh because you know fiction is fiction but one thing i really have always kind of been like uh it drives me a little crazy just because it was sort of so referenced before and then recently well not recently since the start of eso it kind of hasn't mattered as much the dunmer were cursed with the red eyes and the ashen skin mm -hmm. and in eso they don't have to have red eyes yeah that's a little weird it's just it's one of those things where people who like to dunk on eso it's it's not lore friendly blah blah blah. that was i re remember being one of the first things people like jumped on and i was like do i care no is that mm -hmm. weird sort of actually just because it, it's so common like in the lore that it was like wait why isn't that like that kind of got phased out i feel like a right. little bit over time right. it was like the ashen skin part remained Nah. it's something there's something about eyes and fandoms and people feeling familiar with characters to treat them like people and humans uh so for example it happens with the witcher as well witchers are supposed to have these very cat-like eyes oh yeah yeah yeah. right and you go back to the witcher one and Geralt's eyes are cat-like and he, he looks alien because of it and you can imagine if you met somebody in real life with cat-like eyes you'd be like oh whoa like this this one little detail on your face definitely makes me treat you differently <laughs> like you look crazy um but as the series goes on the eyes look less cat-like i don't think even the netflix show the eyes are cat-like at all in no. fact they, i mean if, if anything he, they went like a little bit yellow but even that's been kind of reduced like right right yeah it's it's weird so all right well that's going to be it for this episode i hope you guys i hope you made it through that it's a lot yeah, of dense I hope that stuff wasn't too much of an <laughs> overwhelming info dump it's a big info dump but we'll get into some of the houses next time and talk about just some of the differences in the houses and the things they stood for yeah and uh before that we'll have our patron episode we're shooting for again this coming saturday so saturday the 26th at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific so let us know if you can join us if you're one of the tier four or higher patrons and um if you aren't already feel free to sign up we'd love to have you join us and chat about sure. whatever you don't have to be caught up with the show you can just just jump in and if yeah, we covered they're something meant to be one-offs if we covered something like two years ago and you're like i wish we could talk about that again because i wasn't part of the patron then we'll offer it bring we can, it up bring it up yeah. we can always we can always revisit things look at it from a different perspective has some different opinions about something we, when we have about. a new cast it can also lead to a different discussion absolutely absolutely so thank you everybody for being here lotus you got anything cool going on you want to share um, so the only real thing that I want to specifically uh, mention is I will be sort of mentioning it mm, probably nonstop now uh, up until the point that it happens is uh, we have plans for our big end of year extra life marathon coming up. Uh, it'll be December 3rd. It's going to kick off at 6 a.m. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and then I'm going to be streaming for at least 20 hours, at which point I will relay over to Ark, wow. who is going to relay the rest of it for at least another 20 hours. So just like previous years, we're going to try to stream the entire weekend for everybody um, to raise money for the uh, Boston Children's Hospitals, which is just you know this is my 10th year doing it it's it's a really fantastic cause and um yeah we got our big extra life thing on the way um a couple things i specifically wanted to just bring up was 
I've uh, got some giveaways that we'll be doing. We're working on incentives or horrible punishments because people don't like to watch us succeed. They like to watch horrible <laughs> things uh, mm-hmm. that we put ourselves through. But we're going to be playing, obviously, well, I'll be doing a lot of Elder Scrolls Online slash probably Daggerfall, unless I somehow finish before then. Probably not. Um, but it'll be a mix of, you know, Elder Scrolls games like it always is. But we've been generously provided from Gina Bruno at Zoss. Um, I have codes for Elder Scrolls Online, just the straight up newest expansion. You can just get the game. Uh, she gave me codes for that. I'll be able to give those away when we hit milestones. I also have uh, torch bug, like the custom torch bugs that they do. I've got codes for that. Um, we've got some physical stuff that I'm going to be giving away that I was provided from bethesda uh as well so um we've got lots of giveaway stuff to be doing as well so even if you just want to come and lurk and hang out because that helps quite a bit other than keep us entertained um it's it bumps us up the charts so more people see us and more people are prone to notice us while we're doing it and then potentially donate to the charity. Um, the other thing is we're working out the fine details and he'll probably be joining us either right before or right after again on Tails. But um, the UESP, as you know, we're kind of all joined with that as Tales of Tamriel is the US, UESP podcast and they're hanging out with us in chat as well. Mm-hmm. Um they're going to be providing some help toward the actual charity as well we're trying to figure out exactly what we can do for giveaways from the unofficial elder scrolls pages as well so lots of giveaways to go along with the charity efforts so it should be a really fun time each year it's it's a blast honestly um it's always been very very fun and yes i was gonna say it was brought up in chat tank in first person um you you still tom have one of the awards that was most notorious of making me play in pvp in first person until somebody literally donated to make it stop it was horrible (laughs) it was so bad it was a big mistake in an Uh, mmo you need to see your surroundings and what's around you and you don't really don't want to be in the middle of a whole bunch of stuff in first person a lot of stuff that throws you in eso oh god yeah when the screen just moves on its own and you're just like oh god where am i i'm looking at somebody's ankle and a tree and the side of a mountain yeah Yeah. so uh but yeah so stay tuned to all of that uh it's Mm going to be at lotus of doom on twitch and youtube stuff that'll be where we're promoting it um at the moment twitter's still doing its thing so uh we'll be posting updates there as (laughs) As well twitter's still live we'll see it's sure doing it um but uh yeah right, cool. so that's that's really my important stuff coming up so feel free to hang out with us and join in on this awesome cause yeah go support that and yes I mean, even if you can't support it you, show up and make the numbers yes. grow on the stream so more people find the stream like just be there enjoy it it's a lot of fun so yeah and exactly. if you contribute if you can because it's a great if cause. you do want to contribute literally you can just look up lotus of doom tales of tamriel or i believe i've got the unofficial Elder scrolls pages as well or the elder heroes the team we are any of those and bring it to my page right. it's it's very easy to find just yeah. find me lotus of doom at extra life there you go just send us messages if you want to join us for anything just send us messages yeah, we're, shoot us me- we're yeah, on we're discord around. there's links in the show notes there's all sorts of different places you can plug in you can check out us during the live streams or our youtube we do lots of stuff you can find us just search the show stuff will come up uh, yeah. that's the easiest very, way to do it we try to make it easy to find <laughs> yeah we've been doing this for a while you'll find us if you just do some google searching um but thank you everybody for tuning in thank you to our 
chat for being here and for the raid from the UESP and uh, Weather Dragon and Elanok for joining us on the Patreon during the show. Very cool. Thank you, everybody, for for being here. If you want to find anything else I do, go to robotsradio.net. That includes my shows and all the other shows on the network. Lots of awesome stuff, whether you're into Elder Scrolls or other types of video games or even other stuff as well. Lots of awesome stuff for you guys to check out. But we will be back next week, again, a little bit later with our patrons than we normally do, but we'll still be here and we'll see you guys then. Stay safe. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach me on Twitter at robots underscore radio or Lotus of Doom at Lotus of Doom. Also, you can join us on the Robots Radio Discord channel. You can easily just search Robots Radio Discord on Google or check the description underneath the podcast. Also, this podcast is recorded live every week on Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on the Robots Radio channels on Twitch, YouTube, and on Facebook. So just search Robots Radio on any of those platforms come join us we'd love to chat with you while we record the show or before or after either way just come hang out with us and if you're looking for more information about my shows and the shows on the robots radio network go to robotsradio.net for all the information about all the shows on the network including the robots radio rocket club where i help both new and existing podcasters to grow their shows build their audiences and create the best podcast they possibly can all of that at robotsradio.net we'll see you next time